Welcome to Ask of Expert, brought to you by the team at Vexit.com. Our bi-weekly series is the podcast helping business owners, managers, and professionals thrive in the world of modern work. Here's this week's host, Polly Craig. On this podcast, we often talk about the world of business and how working with professional affects our business life. But this week, we're going to dive into the personal side of things. It's truly all interconnected. If your relationship's on the rocks and getting worse, it's only a matter of time before it affects your work life. This week, we get to welcome renowned family lawyer Robin Kazina to the show. Since COVID began, family lawyers have been busier than ever. And from North America to Asia, we've seen headline after headline citing that demand for family lawyers is on the rise. But it may not be for the reason you think. Robin is going to talk to us today about some of these trends and help to demystify the practice of family law. Robin, I'm super excited to have you here. Welcome to the show. Yeah, excited to be here as well. Thank you for having me. So I'm not even sure where to start. I look at your history and your bio, and I think it would be really great to understand how you got to be in family law in the first place. And just share that very beginning of the other field that you're in before that. Sure. Well, I think I do have an unconventional path to law. I, before law school, I studied social work and um, I have my bachelor's of social work from University of Manitoba. And it was really through that training and working with various populations and seeing firsthand how the law really is such a powerful tool for change. It really is, you know, a powerful tool for equality, um, really systemic change and the way that I felt I could really help people. So after my social work education, I looked to do actually a combined program in law and social work, obtaining my law degree and my master's in social work at the same time. So it was really my path through social work and then law that really was um, to fulfill my long-term goal and vision to really help people in a substantive and systemic way. Wow. So often when we talk about family law, we're thinking about divorce or custody. And there's so many other areas that family law uh, can draw us into. So can you share a little bit about where your practice focuses Sure. Um, well, I do. I do have expertise in all areas of family law. Uh, you know, the usual areas of separation and divorce and custody and property division. But I also have a developed a specialty in adoption and also fertility law, which is involved when children are born by way of assisted reproduction, which you know, is increasingly happening in today's society and families are formed in multiple methods and the law uh, is trying to keep up to that, uh, which involve a whole host of legal issues. So um, I do have some specialty areas of, uh, as I said, fertility law being the only Manitoba expert in that area and uh, adoption as well as all separation and divorce issues. Well, that's fascinating. Go a little deeper on that subject. And as I understand, the laws in Manitoba are a little bit behind. And where does it lie? And where is it at as far as making changes? Um, Well, I brought a case on behalf of seven lesbian and gay couples who are parents to children. And we were successful just recently uh, at the beginning of November with that case um, in obtaining an order that Manitoba law was discriminatory to lesbian and gay 
of parents because they weren't treated equally under the law just because of the way their children were conceived. So if you're a lesbian or gay parent, you have to turn to assisted reproduction to have a child, right? So two parents will never be both genetically related. But Manitoba's laws, which hadn't been updated since 1986, only cared about biology, right? They only equated you're a parent if if you're a biological parent. But we all know over all of these years, the concept of family is fluid and has changed and has evolved over time. And the law needed to catch up. And uh, because of this case, it's forcing the government to pass legislation by November 2021 that treats all parents equal, regardless of how their children were conceived. Well, congratulations. And thank you for doing that. I mean, you think about changing law like that and how it actually affects people's lives and and really helps our province because we want to have more people here and why push people away to other provinces? Well, absolutely. And in this area as well, it was the fact that Manitoba was really behind compared to other provinces like BC and Ontario and Saskatchewan had already recognized the need to modernize their law and had done so. So it was also a great win to bring Manitoba up to speed with other provinces uh, across Canada. There were some articles that I looked at, and we can put that in our show notes as well, that you know you are very respected in, in many areas and you've had quite um, a following. Can you talk a little bit about the LBGTQ a very good friend of mine who is uh, transgender and uh, with a very large corporation is now really helping people and helping businesses understand it's not just about uh, diversity and inclusivity. It's also about belonging. So can you just dive a little bit into that area and the work that you do there? Sure. Um, Well, it, it really focuses on my work in the fertility law area. I've heard countless stories from parents, right, where they're treated less than or different just because, for example, in a same-sex women relationship, they didn't give birth, right? So I heard countless stories, for example, two pair female parents would go to the doctor and the doctor would only look at the parent, one parent, right, who had the biological connection, or they even would be asked questions in certain settings on who is the real mother, right? And it's it's all this, um, you know, societal views that really led to this feeling of being lesser than a parent, even though in every way, they were both equal parents. And the law hopefully is the change that we've achieved in in the constitutional case is a small way to change Manitoba's laws, but also hopefully societal views on uh, parents uh, who have children and or uh, in a lesbian or gay relationship. And from there, you know, the law changes and you see society shifting, but then you get down to the day-to-day practical living and helping all of us, every single person, whether you're an owner of a business, whether you are an HR director of a business, to how do we then structure policy inside our businesses? And are there specialists that can help us do that? I think absolutely. I think it's it's the best is to turning to people in that community, right, for their insight and advice is always um, the best route. Because nobody can really understand someone else's experience unless they've lived it. I mean, I hear also in, you know, separation and divorce as a family lawyer, you get intimate details about people's lives that nobody else gets, right? Often people who are coming to family lawyers, you know, share really personal matters that they've never even told number one, their spouse, their best friend, you know, or other people in their lives. So it's, 
being in this position of trust and even learning about others, it's still great to understand others' experiences, but it can't take away from consulting or actually getting the insight uh, of people from that community. For example, engaging people from the uh, lesbian and gay community and engaging people from who are different than yourself, than yourself right, to, to understand their perspective. When we first started our discussion, you know, one of the thoughts that went through my mind and, and I did read something where, uh, and maybe you can just share, I don't know if you have statistics, but, you know, we often look to divorce as always having to get, go to litigation. And can you take us down a path about what are the alternatives and are there different ways uh, I'm, I'm assuming that divorce rates are increasing. I know that we see, even on our exit platform, an increased number of people looking for family lawyers for the purpose of, of either mediation or divorce. What do the numbers say to you? And is there an alternative to always having to go to court? Mm-hmm. Um I mean, absolutely, there is alternatives and better alternatives to going to court, not only financially, but also to preserve relationships between people, especially when they have children, right? Often when someone comes into my office, even though they may have animosity at that time, right, for their other spouse, in the cases where they're still parents together, they quickly realize that they're going to be connected to that person for like many years to come, really forever when you have a child together. What I tell clients is that you want to be those parents that can sit in the same uh, auditorium for your child's graduation. You want to have a child who can feel free to invite both their parents to their wedding, right? So resolving matters and legal issues in a way that preserves relationships, especially when children are involved, is, in my opinion, of ultimate uh, priority. And so there's many alternatives, um, something called collaborative law, where uh, lawyers are specifically trained um, to handle matters outside of court. Collaborative law involves a process where people commit and actually sign a contract to agree not to go to court. And if they do go to court, they need to retain other lawyers. Collaborative law is also very interesting in that it's more of a team approach and holistic approach to resolving the issues. We involve parenting coaches who are not lawyers, who are often social workers who deal all day long with separating parents and helping them come up with parenting plans and deal with hard issues like introducing a new spouse, right? Um, And financial advisors as well. We often involve accountants or charter business valuators. And all of those people are also trained in collaborative law. And it's this team that comes together to try to provide information, but also support people in reaching a resolution that works for them. So collaborative law is a great option. Um, Mediation can be a great option and also arbitration. Arbitration is a new and involving kind of thing in Manitoba. It's, It's really had a big uptake in other provinces, but I was involved as chair of the family subsection in obtaining some amendments to our Arbitration Act, which um, ensures that arbitral awards in family law will be held up like court orders. So arbitration can be a great option because you get to hand select, right, your decision maker rather than put your really um, issues in the hands of a judge who you don't know, you've never met, right, and you can tailor the process to any way you want. Collaborative law and arbitration and mediation is really giving people, I would say, more control, right, over how they want their matters resolved rather than just putting it into the hands of a judge. As I especially on parenting issues, you're having a judge often, you know, 
determine matters uh, with respect to your child who's never met your child, right? And who's often making decisions on affidavits, right? Which say black and white. I mean, I'm a big proponent of resolution outside of court. Um, Of course, court is necessary in some cases, but it should be very few cases and in very narrow issues. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. And do you find that uh, people who have prenuptial agreements and are there other types of agreements that you can have in place before you marry that help when the marriage dissolves? Yeah, so prenuptial agreements or cohabitation agreements before you are common law are great to provide certainty when and if a separation happens. The only thing that can't be dealt with in a prenup or a cohab is any issues relating to children. I think some people... Um, Sometimes they're surprised by that. So, um, but anything financial can be a great way to sit down and figure out how you really want things to roll out if you separate. And again, it's this element of control, right? Of an and ownership of how you want what you feel is fair, not necessarily what how the law would apply. Right, and always wanting to put the best interests of the children first uh, mm-hmm. before your own reasons for your divorce and and your own personal reasons. You touched on cohabitation agreements. Can you just touch on that quickly? You know, at what point does that come into play? How long does somebody have to live together before they're considered to be Right, so every province is different, um, has different laws. The laws on family law in general are are provincial, so it's different from province to province. So the only um, legislation that is federal is the Divorce Act. But so, for example, how property is divided is different in Manitoba than it is in BC. So in terms of when you're common law in Manitoba, it's generally a three-year rule to be common law. But at any time, you can enter into a cohabitation agreement and it's advised to. I mean, sometimes we have people calling us up, you know, a week before their wedding, right, (laughs) trying to scramble to get a prenup in place, which is never ideal for anyone. So there's benefit to when you do start to live with someone and you know it's going to reach that three-year mark to start looking at discussing with a lawyer what a, what a cohab uh, could do for you. And if you don't have a cohabitation agreement and you end up splitting, is it treated the same as a marriage? It is, yeah. So there's no difference between, in, in Manitoba, there's no difference between being common law or being married after you reach that three-year mark. Okay. Wow. And I can only imagine that right now during COVID with families that are living separately, you know, children's moving from house to house, have you seen just an increase of legal requirements in situations that uh, unfortunately are, things happen because of COVID? Well, we're finding more issues with respect to parenting, right? I mean, everybody is stressed. Parents are exhausted and overwhelmed with homeschooling and, you know, having to make difficult decisions in some circumstances. Do we homeschool? Do we not homeschool, right? 
And that's difficult in the best of times in an intact family. And when you're dealing with a separated family and you have to reach these important decisions together, it it's, can be even more stressful. So I've received a lot of you know, questions and consults on the issue of remote schooling, actually, um, specifically, and whether, you know, a child should have should attend school or not. There were also at the beginning of COVID was a lot of parents attempting, unfortunately, uh, who try to restrict access, right, trying to say that they shouldn't be going to the other parents home because they're more at risk. But I think the province is pretty clear in coming out with their guidelines that if it's for the purposes of seeing a child, it's not considered a separate household. So that was really at the beginning of the pandemic. But um, and then as the pandemic has worn on, I've found more issues in relating to schooling issues. That's very interesting. And increasing divorce. Um, I would. It's hard to say. I mean, family lawyers in are crazy busy, um, but it's a very busy time of year, usually in December. Um, I find psychologically people want to get things done <laughs> by the end of the year. Right? Uh, so it's just always busy in general, but definitely I think we're finding more consults um, for separation, but I think people are finding it difficult to separate. It's not easy at this time to find, you know, an apartment to rent, right? It's not easy to even go to the bank and figure out can I afford to refinance the house? Some people have lost their jobs. It's difficult financially to separate at a time when finances are already being stressed to the max. So I think that people are, yes, and and, and thinking about separating or things have kind of reached a tipping point, but there are also practical considerations why people just can't actually physically separate at this time. And there's also concerns, I mean, from, from family lawyers about you know, domestic violence and family violence issues for sure, you know, for unsafe situations where definitely now it's difficult for someone to separate from a spouse that now they're home with all the time in an unsafe situation. So it's complicated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine, you know, people that are in unsafe situations and really literally have no place to go at this mm-hmm. point. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've, we have no idea what goes on in other people's lives. You know, in the beginning, we talked about you had a history. You started in social work and moved in to be a lawyer. I'm interested to know, are there specific milestones in your career that come to mind that had the biggest impact on you? Well, I would have to say that, uh, I mean, this recent constitutional challenge, right, was for sure probably in my mind the most significant achievement in my career just because it's changed the lives of so many and also having the honor of being recognized by the Canadian Bar Association sexual orientation uh, section as an ally, which was really an honor because I was awarded that uh, award, which is given to one person across Canada as having advanced equality for the LGBTQ community. So I would say, although I have a number of stories where, you know, of clients that I've seen transform, you know, from coming into my office to the end of their file, which were also very rewarding and why we do this work. But overall, that recognition from the broader community was certainly something that I hold very near and dear. And what would you say to a young aspiring lawyer who is, you know, either articling or a young associate at this point, what advice would you give to them if they look at you saying, that's exactly what I want to do in my career? Well, I would say having a a strong mentor uh, is critical. I mean, having others that lift you up and are as an example, I had that the benefit of that. And so it's really finding those people that you can see um, as an example of what kind of practice you would like to have and 
sort of making sure that you're able to learn from them. And that you're, you know, you have a couple of areas of passion. How much does that play into what you do every day? Like you've really taken a narrow field and become the expert in that area. Give that as advice to others as well, rather than being more of a generalist to really focus in an area. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, law is a really interesting profession. It's number one, always changing, right? It's always adapting. uh, It's always gray. (laughs) Um, I mean, that's the thing about law. It's definitely not black and white. As a lawyer, we always love the gray, right? And so it is something you can make your own. You know, if you find a niche, if you find a certain area that you're very good at, uh, it yes, absolutely can be something that you should run with. And not necessarily, I didn't have a mentor in this area. You know, I had mentors generally in terms of, um, you know, just being great lawyers and being willing to give back to the community and female mentors specifically. But you also need to be courageous and creative uh, and be able to carve your own path. Yeah, it's really good advice. You know, you can take that outside of the legal profession as well and uh, move it into any area. And mentorship for anybody, you know, and being a female lawyer as well. Do you have people that you help along the way? I do. Yeah. I I mean, it's been great to myself as a young lawyer, having benefited from great mentors and also turn into being able to be a mentor for others as well. So um, yeah, I do work with others within our firm and sort of teaching and guiding them as well. And so it's, it's really nice to be able to give back in that perspective because it's something I really was lucky to have. I can only imagine. So what does the, what does the future hold? You know, with all the changes, uh, you know, that was a huge milestone with the legislation changes that, uh, that you were able to make. What's next in that field? I'm not so sure there's much in that field because this really will advance the law and achieve equality. But I think generally in family law and separation and divorce, the next sort of push is really more collaborative law and arbitration and less court. Like that's just what people are demanding. Um, I mean, there's been study after study that's shown that's what's best for families and is in the best interest of the children. But I think with more education to people who are separated, they're now more demanding that, right? They're demanding resolutions that fit for them, not a cookie cutter approach. They're demanding, you know, to not be expected to pay thousands and thousands of legal fees with no end in sight, right? So it's really the market has changed a little bit in terms of what people have become educated on and now have come to expect versus, I mean, you talk to some lawyers 20 years ago, you go to a lawyer and they ask you how much it's going to cost and when it's going to be over and you get no answers, right? I mean, in some respects, it's it's not possible to give a finite uh, answer on all issues, but I just think that more and more people are uh, wanting resolutions that they have more control over. You know, and as business owners, often if our employees, as an example, are going through uh, family issues, whether it's, um, you know, divorce or child custody or LGBTQ issues or experiences, what can business owners do? Are there, is there any program or how can we help employees? Because, you know, if we can help them in their family lives, then they're more connected to the business, you know, going through divorce, uh, all these other issues really can have an impact on how they can focus and, and do what we need them to do in our businesses. Do you have any insight there? 
I would say likely uh, just being understanding of how stressful it is right in the beginning, right? Like often, as I said, in family law, we see people really transform from the first time they come in to see us where they're the most vulnerable they've ever been and probably the worst that they've ever been. So, I mean, unfortunately, I probably see people at their worst selves, right? Ever. Like they're they're not those type of people in most circumstances, right? Right. They don't... but they're not making clear decisions, right, at that point in time. And it's just amazing to see the transformation from people when they first come in and they're in crisis, really, to when their matter is resolved, they're financially secure, and how they really transform. So I would just say an understanding of how critical that first month or two months can be because it really is people are in a crisis, right? So they need to be supported and things do level out uh, and calm down in some sense. uh, And we see it over and over. I've seen it over and over. And that's really good advice that that it does take one or two months. And then, you know, the clouds do part. Mm -hmm. Life life does move forward. And we need to be there to support and help uh, and not expect people to uh, remain focused the same way they have been. What about the the culture of working from home as a lawyer? You know, we have lots of professionals that are in our Vexit community and and it's really interesting. Some people are loving it, some people really miss the the going to the office, some people like the on and off, you know, two weeks in the office and a bit of mm-hmm. time home. What's your experience been? I have little kids, so <laughs> I prefer to get out of the house sometimes <laughs> to have a separation of work from home. So, but I think everyone's situation is different. I have other, you know, other colleagues of mine who really have loved it and and 100% have worked from home, but I've done a little bit of both, um, working from home and coming into the office. But I think uh, it's just different uh, for everyone, you know, but everyone's sort of finding their own groove and what works for them. But definitely, I think We've all been pushed into the use of technology, um, whether we liked it or not. And I think that's something here to stay, which is positive. Our court even, I've been involved in sort of for the family bar in setting up virtual trials and consulting with the court on that. So that's something, for example, the court could have was never open to before, right? But had to be. So just in terms of these benefits of technology, I think those are here to stay um, after the pandemic is over. And what about, I mean, given that you're in family law, you, I'm assuming, would see people mostly face-to-face before. Does it change the dynamic for you when you aren't able to actually be in person? It does. Um, I mean, it is obviously better to meet in person, especially when you're dealing with such personal matters. But I mean, we're doing what we can and people still need to have their matter move forward. So, um, you know, it's the best alternative. But I'll be happy when I can go back to meeting with people in person. That's for sure. Yeah. And I'm sure it probably opens up geography for you as well. You know, it doesn't have to be people in your immediate community. It could be people in smaller communities up north or east or west of us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Robin, thank you very much. I, uh, I'd i love to open it up to anything else that you have to say. The pandemic has been an opportunity to uh, take t- technology and, and work with it and help all of our businesses. But the whole professional world, we're really enjoying getting to know the people behind the profession. And often we just say, well, I need you know, I lean a lawyer, I need an accountant. And now we're saying, no, we actually enjoy the people. And one last question for you. I noticed that 
you have boxing as an interest. <laughs> Tell us about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, back in the day, I took kickboxing, right, as a form of exercise. <laughs> so, um, and I really enjoyed it. As, like, I think some people would ex- describe me as an intense person. <laughs> So I'm the type of person who likes exercise that is intense, right? I'm not a yoga person. I'm not a meditation person. So it's just my form of exercise, which I continue to do. And I, I, I just, it's a good release for me and I love it. So oh, that's um, great. yeah, I can totally relate to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's perfect. If there's nothing else, I have really enjoyed this conversation. I look forward to reading more articles. And as I said, you know, we'll we'll post that on the show notes because, you know, you've done an exemplary job. Uh, and the fact that you were recognized in, uh, in the Ally Awards across Canada, congratulations and thanks for the work you've done. You've now helped a lot of families in Manitoba. Thank you. It was a pleasure. The Ask of Expert podcast is a production of Exit and distributed globally by the Sound Off Media Company. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga, Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.